This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. A constitutional challenge by a doctor who argues patients should have the right to pay for private care if the public system leaves them waiting too long is expected to wrap up today in a Vancouver courtroom. Dr. Brian Day began his battle a decade ago against the B.C. government. The case started in B.C. Supreme Court in 2016 and final arguments are scheduled to come to a close today. So Day, an orthopedic surgeon, has centered his battle on arguments around BC patients having a right to pay for services if wait times in the public system are too long. We are here simply to ask the Supreme Court of British Columbia whether a patient suffering on a wait list in BC should have less protection under Canadian law than a similar patient in Quebec. So the BC Health Coalition, Canadian Doctors for Medicare and the BC Nurses Union are interveners in the case. They argue that the creation of a two-tier system would jeopardize our healthcare system and would only benefit patients who can afford to pay for private care. You know, this is not about patient needs. It's about doctor needs. It's about doctors who want to bill and double bill the system for themselves. Keith Baldry, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief, has been following this case for almost as long as it has been in front of the courts and joins us now to discuss the origins of the battle and both sides arguing on this case and how it could impact our health care system. As always, Keith, uh, thank you so much for being with us. Good to be here, Joe. You're right. I've been following this pretty well since even before it started. This goes back really to the 90s when the Canby uh, Surgery Centre was first established almost immediately picked a fight with the then NDP government of the day, and it finally landed in court in 2016, but really it began its way through the legal system back in 2009. And so take us on the journey, if you will, and sort of lay the groundwork for people who may have like, yeah, I remember this, I remember back then, and, but it's, I mean, today's the day. Yeah, well, today's the day for closing arguments. Right. We don't know when we're going to get the judgment. And if, I would assume this is going to go to the Supreme Court of Canada because it has profound implications for the entire uh, healthcare system right across the country. So uh, Day was um, sort of had been gone after by a number of uh, parties. The Medical Services Commission audited him. Uh, the NDP government has brought in a bill, you know, finding doctors if they try to work both sides of the public and private system. So uh, he's been fighting pretty well since about 2006 in terms of legal challenges. He finally launched a, a charter challenge in 2009. He's focusing his, his argument on Section 7 of the Charter Rights and Freedoms that uh, the banning people or preventing people from accessing health care in the private uh, system uh, denies their right to life, liberty, and security. And so he's making that a constitutional argument. And then he seized upon a provincial piece of legislation called the BC Medicare Protection Act, and he's going after three parts of it. One is, uh, it, he says, it's unfair to have a prohibition on private duplicative, duplicative insurance, uh, that it's wrong to have limits or bans on extra billing for doctors to charge over and above what is what is uh, costing in the public system, and a ban on uh, on dual practice that you can't uh, practice in both a private clinic and a public uh, healthcare facility. So th- those are the legal arguments. His, his fundamental argument is you have a constitutional right. If you are in pain or in need of a medical procedure, you should not be 
um, prevented from obtaining that procedure on a base on a timely basis that you think is required by what he considers to be the artificial construct of a public health care system where wait times, you're, where everyone's treated the same, you can't queue jump or go ahead of the line simply because you've got more money than the next guy. Uh, he says that is, is a infringement of your constitutional rights. If, you've got, if you're in pain and you need relief, you should be able to get that relief if you can afford it or if you can purchase it and you have the means to do that, you should be able to do that. The province is countering saying that is um, fundamentally wrong. You don't have a constitutional right to that. And in any event, uh, to allow a parallel private system to flourish, uh, which it could very well do uh, with that kind of money flowing around, would uh, it, uh, really harm the public side be- on, a, on a couple of points. One, you would drain uh, human resources from the public side over to the private side. Doctors would leave for more p- lucrative uh, careers on the private side. That would lengthen wait times on the public side. And that's the counter-argument from the Attorney General of B.C., which is the, the counterpart here, that uh, any any sort of um, endorsation or legalization of a private clinic allowing people to buy medical services would undoubtedly hurt the public side, which is a national program, and would, in, in fact, infringe on the constitutional rights of people in the public system. So it's a, it's a fascinating argument. And the one thing I, I just keep in mind, Jody, that Brian Day has already won an important ruling here. It came a couple of years ago when the NDP government uh, brought in a law, an amendment, that said it had fines for doctors who worked in both the private and public system. If a doctor were to extra bill patients, they would be fined $10,000 for a first offense, $20,000 for a second offense. They sought an injunction against that, and he successfully sought that, just, just as Janet Winteringham ruled that they had demonstrated that if people were denied surgeries uh, and medical procedures in his clinic, in private clinics, that could potentially uh, pose physical and psychological harm to them. So he's already had a judge essentially ruling in his favor on a key point of this lawsuit. But again, we don't know what the current judge is going to rule yet. This is an unbelievably contentious issue. You post something about this on Twitter and you will get mm-hmm. inundated with people screaming about the healthcare system or the wait times and and how it is time to make the shift to a two-tier system or or endorsing private health care. Many making the argument that specifically here in uh, southern BC, the opportunity lies in us just going across the border. You can get an MRI tomorrow afternoon if you need it. So why wouldn't we, um, you know, have private clinics that can expedite that? It would it would ease up the lineup. And, and it's so interesting to hear all the facets and the pieces of this puzzle, but how you lay it out, it, it's very clear, Keith, that, you know, the the assumption that this would like free up space in our healthcare system if there was uh, an opportunity to pay for private care. But of course, it's the human resources piece that yes. people are missing, right? That, that's a, a critical part of this entire yeah. argument. There are only so many doctors and there's also only so many nurses or specially trained nurses. It's not like you can suddenly create a parallel system and, and tap into an untapped pool of, of uh, trained people. Uh, so it would naturally bleed some resources away from the public system, which would theoretically increase wait times for, uh, on top of existing wait times. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to flee the public system into the private system, but it would you know, undoubtedly have some sort of impact on the flow of human resources from one side to the other. And keep in mind, this is not so much uh, about the existence of a private clinic. Private clinics are 
part of intrinsically part of the public health care system. Health authorities in BC contract out services to many private clinics. Uh, if you want, uh, you're, in fact, you're informed when you uh, um, seek specific procedures, elective surgeries in a health authority. You will be informed this may this uh, procedure may be performed in a private clinic. It doesn't mean the private clinic is charging you money. Your service is covered by the public uh, system, but it's just the physical location of where you get this uh, procedure done may not be in a public uh, facility. It may be in a private facility. Also, uh, private clinics do WCB cases, Workers' Compensation Board, or WorkSafe mm-hmm. BC. Uh, all those cases go to private clinics because there's no wait list for those because the goal there is to get people back on their feet and back in the workforce and contributing to the economy. So they don't necessarily go through the wait times that uh, you would go uh, would face if you got hurt at home, for example. So private clinics have a role to play. It's whether or not you can basically buy your way into the system, right. uh, a system, uh, and achieve a medical procedure simply because you have the ability to pay rather than on the basis of need, which is what the public system is based on. That's the current system. Can you just explain the double billing piece uh, in layman's terms? Well, it's basically uh, when you go get a hip replacement in at VGH or wherever you do in a, in a hospital, you're not paying anything. I mean, you've, you know, for years you paid your medical service premiums, uh, but those are gone now. Uh, but it's just what your taxes and are covered. When you go into a private clinic, you don't have to pay uh, $5,000, for example. But, and the, the reason you will pay that is because you want that surgery done now rather than wait six, eight months, a year, uh, in, in this situation, Brian Day is not the only one in court here. He's in court, his corporation's in court, the Canby Clinic, but also, um, I think there's another clinic involved here, but there's also four plaintiffs, four patients that he somewhat artfully is included here because it, they, they all have compelling cases. A woman has needed spinal surgery and was told she had to wait 27 months in the public system. Uh, someone else has chronic sinus pain and was told, uh, I think, at least a year's wait in the public system. And, you know, that can sort of, you know, tug on legal uh, heartstrings here that how can you justify asking someone who needs uh, desperately needed spinal surgery to wait two and a half years in the public system when she could get that, albeit for thousands of dollars, uh, very quickly in a private clinic. Ultimately, she I understand she went down to the United States to receive her, her treatment, as did one of the other plaintiffs, but uh, he has picked four people whose experiences in the public system are not enviable at all and certainly are hard to justify, and that's what he's in front of the judge. So closing arguments today. Yeah, they've been going on uh, this week. Uh, it's a very complex case, as you say. Uh, the issues are, are multi-leveled, uh, multi-tiered. Uh, the complexities are significant, but the implications are for right across the country. There are similar challenges being mounted in several other provinces, so everybody's keeping an eye on this case because it could fundamentally alter the shape of what really sets Canada apart from many countries, including the United States, which is our public health care system. And if Ryan Day wins, you know, uh, critics fear for the worst. Day insists it's not going to be for the worst. It simply will allow a number of people to uh, get medical treatment uh, faster than they would get in the public system. It won't have an adverse effect. But both sides are, are you know, uh, I think inflating the impact or the non-impact that this case is going to have. But make no mistake, it's going to have a big impact. All right, there's polarizing sides here. Keith, as always, thank you. All right, take care. Keith Baldry, Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief.